You can be seated in the presence of God. Anybody excited to be in church today? If you want, make some noise. Come on, we got a loud church in the house. I don't know if you know about this, about Christ Uncensored, but this is a loud church. We like to say amen. We like to say, go ahead, preacher. And our very favorite, take your time, take your time, take your time. Somebody shout, take your time. Oh, today, today we start a brand new series entitled The Book of Colossians. It is our custom here uh, that during the summer months, uh, now that we're in August, we take some time to open up a book of the Bible and go through the book of the Bible. And what we do is that we read the entire book of the Bible together. Sabaske, by the end of this series, you would have read an entire book of the Bible together as a church. We could praise God for that in this house. You might say, I never read the Bible. By the end of the series, you would have read at least an entire book, the book of Colossians, together. And then what we do is that once we read a portion every week, we take some time to kind of hone in on a particular verse, maybe a couple of verses, and unpack those verses. And in the book of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in uh, Colossae, and he's writing this church who is doing good, and he wants to let them know that you're doing good, but you're going to be tested, and there are going to be times that the faith that you believe in can't be trusted until it's tested. Come on, somebody. How many know that a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted? And so I'm going to read 14 verses together. Now, I want you, this is class, class. This is class. Oh, come on. We got a good class in the room. This is class participation. So those of you that can keep up with me, we're going to read the first 14 verses of the book of Colossians. And then we're going to dive in on verse one and verse two. And if you could read this together with me, we're going to try to do it. Here we go. Ready? One, two, read. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks for God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Anybody grateful that God has some reservations for us made in heaven? You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Anybody grateful for the good news that transformed our lives? This same good news that came to you and is going out all over the world is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Here we go, verse 7. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on on our behalf. He has told us about your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we have first heard about you. I just want to encourage somebody today that maybe you are tired of praying for the same person. God wants to remind you today, don't give up praying for them, that God's going to do something in their life. Anybody say amen in this place. 
says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have the endurance and patience you need May you be filled with joy always, thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins there it goes 14 verses down and a whole lot of verses to go anybody anybody happy we just read 14 verses together now i want to hone in on on the first two verses and i want to read to you from the passion translation and it says dear friends in Colossae." my name is Paul and I have been chosen look at the person next to you tell him I'm chosen no no but tell him like you mean I can't it. no I'm chosen come on I'm chosen by Jesus Christ to be his apostle by the calling and destined purpose of God my colleague Timothy and I send this letter to all the holy believers who have been united to Jesus as beloved followers of the Messiah may God our true father release upon our lives the riches of his kind favor and heavenly peace through the Lord Jesus the anointed one I think it's so easily that we can read on the welcome and the introduction of the Apostle Paul and kind of take for granted the richness and how packed it is with goodness we can just see it as a welcome and we can see it as an introduction and to be honest as I was preparing for our message this week I felt like I just skimmed right through it. I just went straight to verse 3 and verse 4 and verse 5. And the Holy Spirit told me, hey, I need you to pump the brakes because there's a few things that you took for granted. And I went back and I just found three things that I believe that it's so easily for us to take for granted. And I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. Three gifts. I, I want to write it down like a, like, a, like a New Year's resolution. Three gifts. I don't want to take for granted. Jonathan, you're a gift. I don't want to take for granted. Come on, somebody. Three gifts I don't want to take for granted. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you're a gift. Tell them you're a gift. No, no, but don't, no, no hesitation. Tell them you're a gift. And I don't want to take you for granted. And if you're single and you're looking at somebody that you're ready to mingle, I mean, you could tell them right now, you're a gift. <laughs> anyway. Can, we, can you pray with me heavenly father sorry mama friend mama friend is judging me from the back heavenly father we just thank you thank you lord god for the treasure you have given us of your presence thank you that we can be in your course courts and in your courts there is fullness of life lord we we need you to speak to us we need you to speak to our hearts oh god that our hearts may be open to receive everything that you want to pour in lord god Lord, I come against every distraction right now that would try to steal the seed of your word. And I pray that we may focus and open up our hearts, open up our minds, and get ready to receive your word. 
Help me share your message, oh God. Thank you for giving me the privilege of pastoring the most amazing church in Staten Island, New York. I'm grateful to be married to the hottest woman on the planet. In Jesus' name, we say, everybody shout. Can you give God a praise in this room? Hey, you know, um, how, how many parents do we have in the house? Last week, I got to speak about Selah, but how many parents do we got in the house? Can you make some noise? Um, how many happy parents in the house? Any, any happy parents? Um, I think that God speaks to us through our children all the time. But one of the things that I've learned about our children and any parents, parents, are you with me? Parents, let me see your hands one more, one more time. How many would agree that there is something about our kids? I mean, they have this unique ability. I dare say a gift to take things for granted. Any parents go, mm-hmm. Like, they have this amazing ability to take things for granted. Uh, exhibit A, I literally went, this happened to me the other day, I literally went into my living room to find the lights on, the TV on, and the person that was laying on the couch all day prior to me entering the room had exited the building. In other words, they left the lights on, they left the TV on, and they walked out as if there was nobody, as if they had some unlimited source of electricity and nobody needed to pay for it. My mom used to say, yo no soy casado con con Edison. Anybody know what I... <laughs> they have this unique ability, but I think my son has taken it to the next level because the other day we were in the car and he was driving and he's like, dad, I need to talk to you about something because I need advice. I don't know how I should wear this hat. Should I wear it facing forward or should I wear it backwards I don't know I, like I need to and I had this conversation with my son I said listen son I need to share this with you and, and I'm being honest with you bishop this, listen to me clearly there are some people in life that they need to the answer to this question because the hat makes them but you my son let me tell you something about you you could wear it backwards you could wear it facing forward you could wear it to the side it doesn't matter you know why because look at your face in other words the hat doesn't make you you make the hat you handsome good looking thing you know i thought if i'm looking at this objectively i'm looking at my son and i'm and i'm looking at this direction and i just thought that i had some affirmation from my son and objectively i wish i was telling you that i was there to encourage him and i was trying to speak life into him no this is my genuine assessment of my son i looked at him and i said you know you you honestly you it doesn't matter how you wear the hat you make the hat look at your face you got a million dollar face son and he's like you know what dad and I said, yes. And I thought that this is a good thing. Anybody know what I mean? Like, I thought it was going to be a good thing. And he goes, you know what, Dad? Sometimes I just think you're too supportive. <laughs> to which I say, <laughs> someone shout, taken for granted. I, I think it's so easily when we read these verses, I, I took them for granted. I think it's so easily that as I read uh, Paul's introduction, we can easily take it for granted. But not only did I just skim by it or kind of overlooked it, I, I think the content that was in it was also taken for granted. The content that we see in verse 1 and in verse 2 is, is, is gifts that God has given us that so easily and so often we can take it for granted. Now, God has given us so many spiritual gifts 
God has blessed us with the spiritual gift of wisdom and the word of knowledge. And he has given us uh, the gift of healing. Anybody grateful that God is a good gift giver? That God didn't just save us. That God didn't just rescue us. That God didn't just forgive us and die for our sins. He says, I'm going to give you presents and I'm going to give you gifts like if it was Christmas. I'm going to give you this gift of singing and this gift of worshiping and this gift of leadership and this gift of administration. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that God didn't just rescue me. He could have just rescued me and that would have been okay. But he says, I'm also going to bless you with some spiritual gifts gifts and spiritual promises and spiritual blessings. Anybody grateful in this place that God is a good gift giver? If you know what I'm saying, make some noise in this place. He's a, he's a good gift giver, but I also think that it's so easy for us to take some of the essential gifts that he has given us for granted. And it's not that we're... It's not that we're, we don't know what's happening. I just think that there, there comes a time that we just kind of get used to and get familiar. Next thing you know, you'll be looking at your dad talking about, you're too supportive. It's so, it's so easy to take some of the things that the Apostle Paul introduces in verse 1 and 2 for granted. And one of the things that he, he says is, and here's the first thing that I think that we can easily, as God's children, we could take it for granted. This is one of them. I want to read it to you. It says, Dear friends in Colossae, my name is Paul, and I have, cho- I have been chosen. There it goes right there. I have been chosen by someone. I have been chosen by Jesus Christ to be, in a, uh, to be his apostle. I love the personal connotation there. Not just to be an apostle, but to be his apostle. In other words, you belong to him. He says, I've not only chosen you, but you belong to me. I have not only selected you, but you belong to me. And I like the Apostle Paul. We can just read this introduction and just forget about the fact that he's declaring emphatically, hey, my name is Paul, and and I'm a Roman citizen, but I am chosen by God. I've been chosen by his will. And I think the first gift that we can easily take for granted, if we're being honest today, is the gift of purpose. One of the easiest things that we can take for granted that can become familiar is this gift of purpose. And I don't know if you know this. Did you know that you were sovereignly selected? Did you know that you were carefully chosen? Did you know that you were personally picked? Did you know that you were intentionally elected? Did you know that you were chosen? Did you know that God has given you the gift of purpose, that God could have rejected you, that God could have left you by the wayside? Did you know that God could have replaced you, but he chose to choose you for a mighty purpose? Is there anybody in this place that is grateful that God has chosen them for a mighty purpose, that God could have just left us, that God could have replaced us, but God said, no, that's my child, that's my chosen one, and I have selected them and destined them for a purpose. Anybody can praise God in this place. He says, he says, I've been chosen. I love the way the new living translation says it. I've been chosen by the will of God. In other words, you are not an accident. God selected you and it's not a, it's not by random selection. God, God created you on purpose for a purpose. In fact, before you were born, God created you with a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. Before you were born, God created you. Before you were born, God had your purpose in mind. And then he said, I'm going to choose you to fulfill that purpose. He says, I'm going to choose you to fulfill that purpose. You know, my mother raised four kids and my mother um, uh, would never admit, she would never say, I mean, people have suggested to my mother that I am the favorite son. 
And I just want to say the truth is that I am not my mother's favorite son. It just so happens that her face lights up when she speaks about me. I'm not my mother's favorite son. I mean, it just so happens that, you know, she lights up like a candlestick and a smile goes from ear to ear anytime she refers to Rolando. But I'm not her favorite son. She would never admit that I am her favorite. Now, it is self-evident amongst the brothers. But one of the things that... You heard him in the back. That's a big amen from Pastor Ruben. Come on, somebody. And have you ever heard my mother speak about me? Everybody in this church know, oh, yeah, you're the favorite. No, she'll never admit it. But what she will admit is that she has four boys and only one of them is planned. And I'm like, mom, you're not good at this game. Out of her four boys, there was only one who was planned. She would, she would say, no, no, you know, we weren't trying to have kids. We weren't trying to have a baby. You know that little, that little, that little ball that you see in that picture underneath my wedding dress? That was your older brother, Raul. Come on, somebody. She's like, we weren't trying to have a second kid. But, you know, there comes Rolando, nine pounds and 14 ounces. Make way for the favorite. But then she would say something about the third son. She would always refer to him as... The son of love. I'm like, first mom, that's gross. She would say, she would say, not, you know, Reuben, he wasn't playing. I mean, I wasn't even having S-E-X. She won't even say the word. She'll spell it out as if it was cleaner by spelling it out. But she would say, hey, you know what? The truth is, the truth is there was only one of you that was actually planned. There was only one of you that was intention, intentional, but the others were a surprise. And I just thought about that for a moment because I think about this, that though we were a surprise to my mom, we were not a surprise to God. <sighs> though we were a surprise to mom, we were not a surprise to God because there is such a thing as unplanned pregnancies, but there is no such a thing as unplanned people. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but God wants to remind you today that you are not a mistake, that you're not an accident, that God has destined you before the foundations of the earth. And he says to you, you have been chosen, you have been selected. As a matter of fact, the fact that you are here is evident and it's proof that God has a purpose for your life. Come on, there's so many people that didn't make it, but you made it. There were 300 million of you and guess what? You were in a race and God helped you swim upstream and your mama was like I don't know how it happened I was on birth control papa was like it wasn't me but God said where is my child and you came in kicking the door waving the holy sword and here you are is there anybody here that can say I made it that means I am chosen Woo! God has given us the gift of purpose You've given us the gift of purpose, and maybe you're here, and maybe you thought you were an accident. Maybe mom said, I didn't plan you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you might be here, and you say, but what if I was a product of a rape? God says, but I have a purpose for you. 
You might say, why? But what if my parents didn't want me? God says, I have a purpose for you. You might say, but I don't even know my parents. God says, I have a purpose for you. I'm so grateful that I see the life of my wife who doesn't know who her father, her biological father was, and her biological mother was considered unfit to take care of her. But just because you have two people that were united together, and it might seem like they were, a, she was a surprise to them. I'm so grateful that God needed to take the DNA of two individuals so that he can create the DNA of your purpose and I don't know about you but I'm grateful that Lisa has a purpose that Lisa has a plan and she's a chosen vessel of God anybody believe that in this place give him a praise someone shout that I'm chosen someone shout that I'm favored someone shout that I've been selected by God in this place give him a praise the first gift I think that we can easily take for granted is the gift of purpose I think we could read the Apostle Paul and say, oh, yeah, we've been, we've been chosen. And what happens is, is that often is, is that we think that we're just here to exist. And God is saying, no, I didn't design you. I didn't shape you. I didn't mold you just to exist. I mold you. I shaped you. And I formed you for a purpose. I've chosen you as my vessel. I think the second thing that we'll find in this text is, the Apostle Paul says in verse 1, he says, I have been chosen by Jesus Christ to be his apostle. In other words, not only did he chose you, not only did he select you, but he also gave you a purpose and it's part of his will and it's for a particular thing. Some of you guys don't know your purpose and God is saying some of your frustration is connected to your purpose. The reason that it frustrates you. You're complaining about things God called you to care for. Oh, I got to move on. I got to move on. Okay, number two. Here he goes. He goes, my colleague Timothy and, and I send this letter to all the holy believers who have been united to Jesus as beloved followers of the Messiah. Here's, here's the second thing that I think that we could easily take for granted is the gift of people. right pastor Ro? did you just say that are a gift do you do you not understand pastor Ro, that people are my problem like i was good pastor Ro. i was chilling don't you realize that people are the ones that hurt me? People are the ones that took advantage of me? People are the ones that get in my way? I was good this morning, and then I walked to the bathroom, and people were in the bathroom. <laughs> I was good. I started driving to work, but it was people that were causing my traffic. I was good. I was singing, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders, and people cut me off. And then I went to the store and I wanted to get a bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. Come on, somebody. And I was waiting in line faithfully. Wait on the Lord. But then people cut me up. Then I got to work and people took my parking spot. And here's what I want to submit to you. I do think that all those things are true. Many times people are the cause of our pain. But here's what I also know to be true. That what the enemy does is that he knows how powerful people are in our lives. 
And all those things may be true, but here's what I know, that the enemy wants to create division amongst God's people because he knows that one of the greatest gifts God has given to us as his children is people, particularly in the church. And God's word says, listen, you got to come to God for forgiveness, but he also says you got to go to people. You got to go to God's people for healing. See, the Bible says that if you confess your sins to one another, you can receive healing. See, you got to go to God for forgiveness, but you got to learn how to go to God's people for healing. And this is what God does. God uses people to bring healing in his church. And I think so many times we can underestimate the power of people. And I, I got to be honest, I've underestimated the power of people. I've taken people for granted. Why? Because people have hurt me. But here's what I also found to be true. Here's what I had to remind myself. Here's where I had to change the narrative. There, that, that there are some things that I would not have been able to go through if not for people that were able to stand up for me. There's some things that I would have not managed through if not for people to pick me up. I don't know about you, but I know that you know some people in your life that if it wasn't for them, come on somebody, you would have been somewhere in the hospital, somewhere in a corner, somewhere drugged up, but God used people to help pick you up. Anybody grateful for the gift of people in this house? I think we could, we could underestimate, we could take for granted this gift of purpose and this gift of people. And here's the third thing that I saw. I saw in this text where Paul says, may God, our father. See, see, I know you hear that and you're like, yeah, God, our, God, our father. Except that for so for centuries upon centuries, no one would have seen God as father. And so I realized that we are not we are on this side of the covenant. And so we are not in a position to truly appreciate what the apostle Paul is saying when he's saying, may God, our father, what I, let, let me explain what I mean. It's like, so I remember one time when Ruben was about 11 years old and he comes up to me and he says, you know, I'm really upset because you know, mom is, you know, she's mistreating me. And I was like, what's happening? What's going on? No, you know, I just, she doesn't understand me. She's mistreating me. But I, but what happened? And she goes, he goes, he goes, and it was something along these lines. If it's not, it works well for this message. He goes, she doesn't want to get me a laptop. And immediately I realized that Reuben is not in a position to be appreciative of my mom the way I am because I grew up without a TV. Come on, somebody. I had a TV. It just had a hammer in it because my father, every time he got Holy Ghost filled, he felt like it needed a hammer. See, I, I, he's not in a position to appreciate things the way I appreciate them because I know how I grew up. And he's like, oh, they didn't give me a laptop. And I'm like, we didn't have a TV. And this is how I think sometimes we see our father in heaven. See, because of all throughout the Old Testament it's important to understand that throughout the Old Testament, there would have been not a single leader, not a single king, not a single prophet, not a single man of God that would have ever referred to or corresponded with God as Papa. And I spelt it the way B-I-G spells it because I'm from Brooklyn. B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Baby, that was the only joke you laughed at today. What's going on? I'm just kidding. 
And so, there may have been isolated situations in the Old Testament. There may have been moments where you see this corresponding as the father of the nation of Israel, but not one of these leaders or prophets would have ever referred to Jesus or referred to God as heavenly father. So, so, so what would happen is that the men of old would refer to God as the name that he revealed himself as. Is everybody following me in this place? So, so the people of old would correspond with God in the way that God would reveal himself as. And one of the main ways that God revealed himself was, one of the first times that God reveals himself, is when he reveals himself as Yahweh. Anybody heard the term Yahweh? Yahweh. Some of you are like, I thought that was just a song. No, that's in the Bible. Come on, somebody. Yahweh, well, that was the name that he chose to reveal to Moses when Moses said, hey, when I go to Pharaoh, who will I say sent me? He says, when you go to Pharaoh, what you're going to say is given my name. I am who I am. I am who I am. Translation, I am the God who is and the God who will be. And so he goes, no, I need a name. He goes, okay, what I mean is Yahweh. And so 6,000 times you would find in the Old Testament this terminology, Yahweh. Anybody ever heard the term El Shaddai, the Almighty One? El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Kankaniado. Come on, somebody. We got some old school Christians in the house. Anybody heard that term? El Shaddai was a term that was revealed to Abraham when, he first, when God first encountered Abraham. He encountered him and he revealed himself as the Almighty One. Later on, when he substitutes the sacrifice of Isaac and he finds the sacrifice in the thorns, he now reveals that moment is capsuled into the revelation of God as Yahweh Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, his grace is sufficient for me. And nobody knows that song. I am. I know Jonathan knows it. Jonathan got to know it now. It's Jaira. Jaira, my provider. Another time that he reveals himself, he reveals himself as Shama to Ezekiel when he had to build the city. And in the middle of the city, it would be known as the presence of God or that God is here. This is El. This is uh, Yahweh Shama. But do you know that when Jesus steps into the scene, not once does Jesus ever refer to the God of the universe, to the God that is his God, ever, 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 ever speaks about God in any of the names that are revealed in the Old Testament. Not once does Jesus ever introduce God or reveal God or refer to God as any of the names that are found in the Old Testament. Many scholars believe that when Jesus referred to God, almost every single time, Jesus would refer to God as Father. As, as more specifically, here he goes, as, as Papa. I love it when they call me as Papa, not, not even Father, as this term in the Aramaic is, is like Abba, which watch this, watch this, this term Abba, which I write in my book, uh, going to be released in 2024, come on somebody, shameless plug, here we go, this term Abba is actually this term that became to become, it, like it became a word, like the word ain't, you know the word ain't is not a word, but now it is a word because it's been used so often, well guess what, the word Abba was kind of like uh, this term, it, it's called like childlike chatter, Abba. 
Abba. Like, it's not even a word. Which goes to show that if you ever were scared of praying, because you didn't have the right words, God understands your childlike chatter. He understands your goo goo ga Like, he understood all that. Even when you're weeping, when you're crying, he understands your tears. Even when you don't know what to say, he understands your language. Why? Because of Abba, Abba knows Abba knows the cry of his children. And so when Jesus begins to model, what he does is he models this, this idea of Abba, of Father. And this idea is so outlandish that, that it sends him to the cross. Because in calling him Abba, he was making himself like God. And, and then Jesus goes to the cross. But in going to the cross, what he does is that he makes this term available for us all. What, what Jesus does is that he introduces this revolutionary idea that the God of the universe, that God that created the sun, the, the skies, and the earth, the God who, who, who created the, the, the heavens and the earth, whether a globe or flat, that God is a God that we can refer to as our Abba Father, that we can refer to God as a loving, tender, unique a kind, compassionate father. He introduces the idea that the God that, that split the Red Sea can be called Abba, that the God that set free Daniel from the lion's den can be referred to Abba, that the God that cat raptured Ezekiel, that is the God that we can refer to now as, someone shout it, Abba. He gives us the gift of Papa. And listen, I don't know where you are today. But I just want to remind someone that maybe we've taken for granted that God is not just this God who is a cosmic policeman in the universe. That God is not just this disconnected being. He wanted to remind somebody today that maybe you've taken this idea for granted. But he wants to tell somebody today, I am your heavenly father. All you have to do is to look up. You may not have had a good relationship with your earthly father. You may have felt disconnected from your earthly father. But I just want to remind you today that I am your papa. And I am not disconnected. I am not distant. I am not far away. I am your heavenly father and I love you. I love you. I'll love you. And I'll never get tired of telling you how much I love you. I want to give you the last. That is the last one. But I got a bonus. <laughs> As the worship team comes up, I want to give you this bonus. I go above and beyond, y'all. These last, these two verses, these first two verses, as we unpack the book of Colossians, can easily be taken for granted. And the first gift that we see that can easily be taken for granted is the gift of purpose. But we can also easily take for granted the gift of people. And then we can also take for granted the gift of having, having a papa, having a heavenly father but the bonus one i wanted to give to us all today and i want you to write this down in your notes and by the way if you're taking notes you have kudo points in heaven and this one might be one that really resonated with me in this season because of what god's been ministering to my heart with this is the bonus it's the gift of peace That was a good time to say amen. I'm going to let... It's the gift of peace. Come on, somebody. 
It's the gift of peace. He says, may God, our true father, release upon your lives the riches of his kind favor. That's grace. Someone shout grace. And heavenly peace through the Lord. Where's the peace connected to? Through the Lord. It's connected through the Lord, the anointed one. And I think this gift of peace can so easily be taken for granted because here's what we know about peace. It's been given to you freely. But so often we have it and we possess it, but we don't know the full extent of it. Have you ever been like my beautiful wife? Have you this ever been you? I'm looking for my phone. Wait, can you hold on a second? I got to find my... Baby, they're leaving you out there like they, they're like looking at you like, girl. Has it, have you ever been looking for something that you already have possession of? Oh, I'm not speaking about your phone anymore. But I'm speaking about your peace. Can it be that we have taken for granted the peace that God has already given us to possess? he tells his disciples in a moment of trials and in a moment of tribulation in a moment of trouble this is what he tells the disciples he says these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation you will have trouble but be of good cheer why because I overcome the world I wish I could tell you that in this world Oh, this is altar call time in this world. If you place your faith in Jesus, oh, you're set for success. Nothing is going to happen to you. You are going to get the position. You're going to get that job. You're going to meet all your goals. You're going to reach the financial bracket that you want to. You're going to get the one that you want to be, the one that God said is not the one. I have it for. I wish I could tell you that if you place your faith in Jesus, everything is going to be ironed out. Everything is going to be successful. Everything is going to be perfect. Glitz and glamour are promised to you. Except that he says, no, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. You know what that means? That the person that you, you love in this lifetime, it could be that they pass away. It could be that the, the person that you never thought will betray you stabs you in the back. In this world, you will have trouble. Oh, that means that you will experience a broken heart. That means that you're going to have that pillow filled with serious boogers. Crying. Your heart's going to feel like, you're going to feel like you're dying in this, in this world. You will have trouble. You're going to experience death in the family you're going to experience a failure in business you might not get the into the college that you always wanted to get into you might not be able to pay the bills you might have your house put in foreclosure how are you guys are you guys encouraged yet in this world you will have trouble i wish i can tell you that you are going to steer right into success no matter what nothing will harm you nothing's going to happen everything's going to be perfect but he says in this world 
you will have trouble. And this is what I, I thought when I, when, I, when I heard that. I thought this. I said, I don't want to be the kind of Christian that's only good when things are good. <sighs> I'm just done. I'm done, church. I'm done with being the kind of Christian that is only good, that can only sing, that can only be rejoiceful, that can only be happy when things are good. I'm tired of being the kind of Christian that can only be happy when things are going good. Oh, I'm only happy when I get the promotion. I'm only happy when I get the one. I'm only happy when I got the financial status. I'm only happy when they like my picture. I'm only, no. I want to be the kind of Christian that whether I get the promotion or not, I know he's faithful. Whether I know whether I succeed or not, I know he's faithful. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that can only stand firm when things feel solid. No, I want to be the kind of Christian that even in the rocky waves, I can stand firm because the one I'm focused on is the one that gave me peace. And he says, behold, I have overcome the world. He says, in this world you have trouble, but fear not, because I have overcome the world. See, you can have peace in the one who has overcome the world. Can you stand up on your feet right now? Anybody ready to remind themselves of the peace that God has given them? Come on, if that's you, just lift up your hands right there where you are. Here's what, here's what God wants to remind you of that we may have taken for granted. See, in this world, you will have trouble. But he says, behold, I've given you peace. In me, you have peace. What that means is that in the moments where I feel like there's a storm. I know that there's a storm. I don't want to be the kind of Christian that sinks in every single storm. I don't know about you. I don't want to be that Christian. I don't want to be a follower of Jesus that every time a storm comes, I'm sinking. Every time a storm comes, there's water getting in my boat. I want to be the kind of Christian that I can see the one that's walking on the storm. Come on, somebody. So that when I see him, I can say, no, my peace is in him. Because though I feel like I'm sinking and though I feel like the storm is strong, I know the one that's walking over the storm. I want to be the, I want to have the kind of peace that when I feel hungry, listen, I might go through hunger during this lifetime, but here's what I know to be true, that there is a God that took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. I want to be the kind of Christian, listen, this is Jesus that we're talking about. I might not be able to pay my bills this week, but I know the one who paid my sin debt and his name is Jesus, and even when I experience death, I know the one that has conquered death. His name is Jesus. Give him a shout of praise. Every eye closed, every eye closed, every head bowed. Every eye closed, every head bowed. We're going to go into this song, but I want you to, I want to pray for you. I don't want to take for granted the gift of purpose. He's He's chosen you. I don't want to take for granted the gift of people. People have been placed in your life. I don't want to take for granted the gift of him being my heavenly father. And I don't want to take for granted that I have peace that surpasses all understanding. Listen, if this message served you as a reminder and you say, Pastor Roe, would you just pray for me today? I want to pray for you right here, right now.
And if you're watching online and you say, man, I, I needed to be reminded of that in this hour. I just, my soul needed to hear that. And maybe you don't even know who this Jesus is. I just want to tell you that he says that anyone that calls upon the name of Christ will be saved. So if that's you in this place, would you just lift up your hand at the count of three? Those that are in the room and those that are watching online. One, two, three. Lift up your hand all over this room. Come on. And I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Say it together. Come on. Jesus, thank you for your love. Because of your love, I can give you my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins by dying on the cross, on the cross of Calvary. From this day forward, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Can you just lift up your voice and run to this altar to worship? Come on. Yes!